DJ Event Planner. Electra Voice. DJ Trivia and DJ Bingo. ProX Direct. NLFX Pro. Promo Only. Odyssey Cases. Perfect Portals. JMOZ Lighting. Instant DJ Requests. And our DJ NTV Insiders. This is John Young from DJ NTV. Thanks for watching. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday Night Music Show with my esteemed colleagues, Mr. Howie Darkstar and Sergey Brannon of Temecula. What's up? I got a question, and I want Howie to go first. Ooh. I don't want to talk about equipment at all. But what I want to know is what you're doing differently than what most other DJs do. What I do that most other DJs in my market don't do is... Yeah. Yeah, your market is just um, I make eye contact and I smile a lot and I, I'm, I'm giving the nod um, because they will look at you. They'll, they always do. And if you acknowledge their existence, they feel like they're like they're over the moon. Well, you are very personable that way. That's just the kind of guy you are. And I will admit that I struggle with eye contact sometimes. And it's it's not because, I mean, I can look at an individual for a moment, but if I'm in a conversation for a long time, my eyes wander. You'll see it in my videos. I'm looking up in the oh, sky yeah, and everything sure. else. Sure. I can even sure. look at the lens for very long. So that, that's a really good trade. <clears throat> How about you, Jay? What do you feel like you're doing different than, than most other DJs are doing? What's setting you apart? I am constantly working at being a better DJ, whether it's on Twitch, That's whether true. I'm studying my Shazam tracks, whether I'm reading up on, you know, I'll hear a song and then I'll spend an hour going to YouTube, Wikipedia and thinking, wow, where can I use this? <clears throat> sure. And I'll tell you, the biggest source of music lately has been the bumper music on the morning news when they're like, you know, we'll be right back with the weather. Yeah, I have some random track, and I'm sitting here with yeah. Shazam, and I'm like, yeah. oh, this track I found a couple years ago, mm -hmm. Switchfoot Float. I've played that thing a thousand times since I found it, and every time I play it, somebody compliments me. Somebody's like, ooh. But I, I think going on Twitch, talking to John C., going in the chill room. I mean, I, I try every day to do something that makes me a better DJ the next time I get behind the decks. I like the bumper track. Okay. Huge acknowledgement on that. I, they've done that here for years. Yeah, and and it's and random. I, it's random a lot. It it's really is temporary here. Like, you know, yeah. But they're not they're not doing like Cardi B and Justin as much as they're doing like some kind of weird B side thing or 
it's Alan who's their you know producer for that segment. That's like sure. Have you guys ever heard of you know like <laughs> Strikefoot or something? I found the other day. It's like S T K R F R T or something. Looked him up, listened to him. I'm like, woo, these are good tracks. They're a little bit like Kings of Leon meets Death Cab meets you know something else. I was like, wow, you know. And even if I don't need it, I've got it. Sure, sure. Just knowing it is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did a video today where. I was talking about, you know, hey, you know what? If you want to stand out as a DJ, maybe you should do something different. Mm-hmm. And Jay and I had a conversation earlier, and we, we talked a little bit about this. So Jay's going to hear this as a repeat of what I was riffing about this afternoon when we spoke. By the way, Jay bailed me out of a situation, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Jay. Thank My you. pleasure. Anytime. So what's going on is I, I'm in the shop at a company called Tour Source. And Tour Source is the company that I built that karaoke rig for that went to Welcome to Rockville, if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just their tech in right now. They're kind of dusting the cobwebs off of the system. They really couldn't remember how it went together. There was a VDJ issue uh, with their license, and I was able to reach out to someone from VDJ and get it sorted. And, and Jay, Jay gave me the contact info I needed. And I knew the guy, so it was perfect, and it all worked out. So that's that's why I was thanking Jay for that. We we got that, and it made me look good. It made me look really I, good I that I was able to. I was wondering how that would be resolved because everybody said just buy a new license, and I'm like, Whoa. well, that, that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, without without getting too deep into it, I was able to pull a favor, and that was really nice. Yeah. But I'm being back in there. What happened was, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not. To, and I, I know I mentioned it to you. In fact, I know I mentioned it to you too. But I wasn't very public about it. The the people who I was working with at Tour Source, because the way it works, not at Tour Source, but the, there's several tiers to this. There's several layers to this. There's people who design and build the rig. There are people who manage the rig. There are people who run the retail part of the rig. There are people who hire you to do it, the, you know, the sponsor of the rig. They're the ones ultimately who are the client. But there was a, a a company in there that was doing the retail end of things. And long story short, they're no longer the company doing the retail things. There's a new company in there. So they want to bring this tour rig back out for some shows. And there's a brand new company doing it. In my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, we did a first time out. You know, there were some things to sort out. I think we pretty much sorted them out. So no, the next time this goes out, whether I'm there or not, they're gonna kind of everybody's gonna kind of know what's going on. Well, now we got this brand new company in there kind of running things. So we got to start all over again. So I was talking to them, and they were asking some questions about what worked and what didn't work, and I brought up some memories, uh, some things that I was I hadn't thought about in a long time, and one of those things was. When, when I told you guys I was going to be doing this Welcome to Rockville gig, it's a rock show. I mean, Metallica's headlining it. Mm-hmm. Slipknot. I think Offspring was there. Rob Zombie. Chevelle. Remember the the uh, water sports incident? That was that show mm-hmm. that made national news? <laughs> yes. But yeah. anyway, there, so Jay and I talked rock a lot. I, I wasn't familiar with the band Chevelle. Jay is, and Jay was giving up. Of course, I know Ozzy and the classics and all that. And, and But 
I was really prepared rock wise to go to the show. And there's, I think there were like five or six stages going on two main stages and some smaller ones around there. Well, everything would point to, you know what? Play rock at this show. When you're playing music, play rock. It turned out that R&B was really the thing to play. Mm. And the reason I feel like it was R&B in top 40, because we were doing something different than anybody else there was doing. We were right. setting ourselves apart. Mm-hmm. And it, it was funny because you would think, oh, these guys walking around, you know, these metal guys, they're not going to want to come in when a Justin Timberlake song's playing. But guess what? Maybe the girlfriend or the wife wants to. The girls are what they want to because they want to dance too. So we were doing something different. And it just got me thinking, you know, sometimes just doing something different, being different than the rest, setting yourself apart is such a good thing. It really draws attention to you as an artist. And it also draws attention to you as a business ultimately when you're not just doing the same thing everybody else in town's doing. That's a good point. You, you know, I can, I watched something, I believe it was the History Channel or something about the boardwalk from way back, you know, mm-hmm. um, back even before my day. Um, wow. Somebody prohibition? With, well, they came up with the, yeah, they came up with the cotton candy and it was a big hit, right? Sure. The one guy that opened a cotton candy stand decided he was going to use dye in his and he would squirt different colored dyes his looked different than the others it was the same thing it was the same thing (laughs) right and his business went through the roof so yeah i I get where you're going yeah sometimes i feel like it's as simple as recognizing a need and filling it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the example i can give of that was when we were there, and I have to show you, I don't even have a good picture of this, but there was the trailer, right? And there's this big canopy. I'm under this big canopy. And on one side of the canopy, there's like this lounge area. It's mm-hmm. kind of split in half. The other side of the canopy, it's open floor and me. The lounge was always full, but there was never anybody in the open area in front of me. And it had nothing to do with the volume of the music because one of the speakers was by me. One of the speakers was by the lounge area. We, we did it like that. Mm-hmm. What it had to do with, there was no seating over there, but the seating in the lounge area was always full. So why don't we put seating on the other side too? We'll bring more people in. And why would we want to do that? Because nobody else there is offering seating. No one else at this rock festival is offering seating. They're standing right. all day. If they can come into a place and sit down, you're going to fill an area if you want people in your what do you call a booth tent thing maybe that'd be the way to go do you think maybe this was done by committee and they said hey the other area should be a dance floor i don't think so because there was no karaoke was what we were doing it wasn't dancing wasn't even a, Mm -hmm. a an idea and there's there's no lighting for it or anything else but, you know, I, really, I, I think everybody did their best on this. I, I think there were so many unknowns. They weren't thinking about things. Once you're there and you experience it, you can see things that could be changed and you can you can make the suggestions. It's not right or wrong. It's just a suggestion. What might work better? 
it's, you know, trial by fire, I guess. We've done that a lot at events. I'm sure you have, Jay. You, you've walked into situations. You, you weren't really sure how they were going to go. Maybe you tried something one day. And you, I mean, even the trade shows that you do, you try something one day and it goes okay. But then you have an idea to try it a different way the next day and it goes much better. Right. I, th- I think you have to always realize that once things start, they're always in motion. Yeah. And I think it's, it's short-sighted to say, it goes this way, it's going to go this way, this is the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Because you're not taking into consideration that the biggest variable is the people around you. And that's constantly in change. Mm-hmm. And if that's in change, I mean, you and I talked, oh, it's a rock show. This is so black and white. It's got to be you're right. You know? And but we're the I smart was, guys in the room. You know, right. For, but for we were at the show. Yeah. Right. Now, Maybe if I'd done the show, I would have gotten there and been like, this is a rock show. And maybe I would have come up with the same conclusion and been like, huh. You know, we've seen that with when we've performed at DJ conferences where everyone's like, check it out. This is the newest remix. And this is the track you probably play at your weddings and stuff. And the sets that go over the best are, I haven't heard this in 20 years. Yeah. That's, you know, it, that's the beauty of our job. It's never really the same. You know, I have a wedding this weekend. I have the music they requested. It's it reads pretty well. I won't go into detail, but you know the group I'm talking about. You suggested yeah. Depeche Mode and New Order. So yeah. it's a short. Sh- even for me, it's a short wedding. It's a three hour wedding. That's cocktail, dinner, and dancing mm-hmm. for like 150 people. So I think the bride and groom, who are both under 21, so there's no alcohol at the wedding. Right. Probably just want to get to the hotel. Right. Because <laughs> this is their first wedding. This is second show you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, I was watching that earlier. Yeah. Well, that's what's gonna happen. Well, Jay, I so, think you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of fun. Oh, I do too. But again, I'm yeah. gonna go into it with as I do with every event. The average wedding I do, I walk into it with, man, I hope it's a cool crowd. I hope the bride and groom are indicative of the people that they bring because I've certainly done weddings where the bride and groom are very stylish and very cool. And then you get there and it's like, oh, wow. So this is where everyone from the deliverance set go went after the movie was done filming. <laughs> now I totally understand where the banjo boy lives. He lives out near me. And you just, yeah. But even then, you have to stop and say, okay, you're giving lemons. Sometimes you try to make disco or you try to make 80s <laughs> or you try to make, you know, and that's sort of the beauty of it. You're saying what sets you apart. You know, even something as stupid as Twitch. I mean, it affords us a luxury as a DJ to just play. I mean, this show ends in an hour's time. At 8.01 when this is done taping, I can stand up, turn on two or three outlets, and in a moment be live on the internet playing mm-hmm. music with no understanding or idea as to how big of a crowd I could get. And mm-hmm. now I have the obligation to either entertain them or put my finger up and go, no, I feel like playing rock and roll. You know, I think too many DJs get stuck in the pattern of why would I do this in my off time? It's what I do for a living. Yeah. Whereas I think we say I'm still a DJ when I'm not on stage or at a wedding or performing. Mm-hmm. So 
I want to try to be better. It's, I guess if you were like <laughs> bodybuilders, they don't really take that many moments of their day off. They're constantly like, how do I eat better? How do I lift better? How do I get more protein? I think we're indicative of that mentality. How do I better myself in the long run? How am I a better DJ next week than I was this week? Sure, you're always trying to improve and, and that's yeah. growth. That's that's growth and that's that's important. There are formulas out there that a lot of DJs follow. And I'm not saying they're bad. And and actually I, I posted the question on my Facebook page and, and one guy, uh, I could, I'll, I'll read you the I'll read you how I worded the question. I said, DJ, what do you do that sets you apart from the rest in a good way? Mm-hmm. One DJ read that as uh, me saying, if you're not different, you're not good. And yeah, I, I, I said, that that's not what I said. And it's not what I meant. Right. Mm-hmm. And he went on to say, well, you, you implied it. And I said, well, not really. No. The example I gave off the top of my head was McDonald's is the same anywhere in the world you go. Mm-hmm. It's really it tastes the same anywhere you go. It's successful. And there are people who really like it. Mm-hmm. But there's also a market for the mom pop burger joint down the road that's been there since the 30s. Mm-hmm. People still love it. it. It's got a reputation. It's unique. There's only one of those things. So I'm not saying it's bad if you are kind of doing what every other DJ is doing. I'm only saying that it, it's cool if you can do something that makes you unique. If you can do something that sets you apart right. from everyone else in your market, there's a reason that people might want to hire you. There's a reason that maybe you're working and the next guy isn't. If it's all a horse apiece, we've talked about this. I've talked about it just almost, you know, I've exhausted the topic, but I can't say it enough. Yeah. That I think it's so important to to just find out who you are, do something a little different. Don't be afraid to take chances. Set yourself apart. It's the only way that you're gonna stand out from the pack. I, well, I think it I think it's hard to tell people that and we've had this discussion ad nauseum who are doing 75, 80, 100 events a year at their price, but they're doing the same event 100 times. Right. And yeah. you say, well, you know, you should try. And they're very, you know, the the nervous DJs out there are very quick to throw money at it. What am I, we'll change what? I got 100 weddings booked at $10,000 a wedding. Well, then why are you on Facebook? You got time. You're making a million dollars a year and you're on Facebook? Well, let's just pretend for a minute that they are making what they say they're going to make. And they actually have time to log on to Facebook and, and tell us about it. By the way, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I, I've often said the day I'm successful enough, you'll know because you won't see me anymore. But let, let's just say, <laughs> let's just say. Like, it's like, where's Jade? <laughs> right. There's no internet on his island that he bought. <laughs> let's say that there's a DJ out there. He's, let, let's just say this DJ is doing a gig every day. At two grand a gig. Let's just wow. say this DJ exists. Let's pretend yep. they do. And let's okay. pretend that almost every event that they do is identical. I can't fault them. They're making money. That's what motivates them to make money. If that's what mm-hmm. they're hot for, good good on them. I, think I just 
I think they all have it at heart that they probably started with the attitude of like, I love music. It's like, I look at club DJs and I've all, and I've gotten in fights about this in the club DJ groups where I've said, it's such a shame. Look at the money that a lot of you make. It just, to me, it's insane with the money you spend purchasing new music, staying on top of your game, you know, and this was like mid two thousands when the wedding market was such that you weren't playing the new hits. I mean, I remember when, you know, Uptown Funk came out and it was like, I got to play that this weekend. That's not something we said very often. I didn't very often look at the top Billboard 10 and say, man, I got to play this song. And that that's a new phenomenon in the last 10 years, at least for mm. me. So I used to be on the side of the club DJ be like, yeah, look at you. What are you talking about? I'm like, you're spending $300 a week on music, but you're making $250 a night and you're working three nights a week. It's just such a huge investment to get so little return. But then you realize they're happiest in a booth, you know, it's in a hot, sweaty club, wearing a hoodie, doing their thing, being the DJ. Yeah. That's what they want. And that's that DJ. And that's fine. I've often said if I was, if I compared myself to a doctor, I wouldn't want to be the number one plastic surgeon in the world, which is a Tiesto or, you know, uh, Roger Sanchez or Carl Cox. I'd rather be the country general doctor who can set your leg at noon, deliver a baby at <laughs> two, solve appendicitis at three. The old school doctor who just do yeah, everything. Who does a specialist. Right. And but then, I take you know, a lot of pride in, you know, when someone looks at me, go, yeah, it's like, how did you, you know, I, I, the greatest joy of DJing for me is when someone looks at me and says, either I'm playing enough Latin music that they speak Spanish to me because mm -hmm. they think I'm them. <laughs> right, right. Or they walk away and shake their head and come back and go like, dude, where are you pulling these tracks out of? Like, I take an immense amount of pride in doing that mm -hmm. because it's, yeah. it's as it's who I am as a DJ is to break the mold. I don't want to be like, oh, he's got longish hair. He's older. He's going to play 80s rock. I got him. No, I can play new stuff. I can play old stuff. I can play funk stuff you don't remember. That's that's what the joy is. That's why Twitch has been such a savior to me. And well, I watch someone like John C., who, I mean, he's probably one of the best DJs I know working today because I've never seen him do a set that wasn't cohesive. He can, he can switch on a dime. That becomes competitive. You come into my chat on Twitch, and I'm like, oh, boy, I can't just play this hit by George Lamont. Now i got to go a little deeper. i got to do this one. And what I want is to see you go, oh, I haven't heard this in a while. Oh, that's a deep cut. Because that's I did my job. Because I've got an audience. You know, mm -hmm. if, if I was a chef and Bobby Flay came in, I want him saying, man, I've never seen this presented that way. I want to impress it those that I am respectful of. Jay I'm, always you know, wants to improve. Yeah. This is the, and, and I've seen you improve. I've seen your, your knowledge of music and, and your thought process towards this evolve over the years. I've known you for a long time. Yeah. And yeah, I've seen you change. I and think age has done that. I think it's, it's a young man's game oftentimes. And I think it's very easy to look at a DJ and say, you know, and I think I told you guys, I wish I could find the website because I'd contact them. But the guy said, you know, I'm 23. I've been a DJ for five years. All my DJs are 21 to 25. You're not going to get, and in quotes, some old guy showing up at your event. You were, who you were talking about that. Yeah. And I felt so bad for the guy. And I'm like, dude, let's sit down and talk music. 
I'll bet you your business against my business and let's have a simple, basic music conversation and mm-hmm. realize that there's not only I can do what you do, you can't do what I do. And I think that's the joy of being a DJ is mm-hmm. age is relative to the fact that if you're willing to improve along the way, it's a betterment. It's an advantage. I didn't want to go here. I didn't because I knew if I did, Jay would pick on me. <laughs> I knew he would. And I, I, I'm asking for it. I'm begging for it at this point going here. But I remember, and I think if anybody in this room can relate to what I'm about to say, it's Howie. My whole life, I've been self-aware that I am different Mm -hmm. because I didn't like sports like all the other kids liked. I really liked music and the other kids didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. I I walk different. I talk different. I mean, by the time I was 12, I lived in four different states. I'd seen things that they hadn't seen and I'd grown different. And, And as we've talked about I got these older siblings who really had an influence on me, especially, you know, during those real formative years, a young kid. So I've always known that I don't belong to a club. I've always known that I'm really not going to run in anybody just like me who thinks like me. I'm not going to be joining any organizations or anything. So I guess I'm just kind of weird and I didn't try to be weird. I just am that way. So my approach to DJing has always been a little different anyway. I had to throttle back to do the things that a lot of the other DJs were doing when I first started doing the mobile stuff. I'd been doing the skating rinks and things for a couple of years. But I remember early on, I was playing over everyone's head. You know, I had to throttle back to put on paradise by the dashboard light and taking care of business and old time rock mm-hmm. and roll mm-hmm. at a throttle back to do that. I was, I was trying to challenge them too hard. It's like, I was trying to play to a club and it was a, a group of people at a wedding and they weren't going for it. So I've had to find this medium balance somewhere because I remember really kind of getting the hang of what I call mediocrity. I, it, which, don't hate, but that's the mobile be top 200. It's the mediocrity. It's what everybody does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the easy how-to guide of wedding programming. And most of the time, generally, it's going to work. It's not always going to be interesting, but it's going to work. Sometimes it's the right thing to play. My last wedding, it was the right thing to play. But most of the time, there are other avenues I feel like that you could probably take and they'd be all right. But I've gone to this thing where I've, I, I was I was too weird for my audience. Then I found the normal zone. I got comfortable in the normal zone. And I had to eventually work my way out of the normal zone again. And it's it's been over 30 years. I've, you know, this, this curve has happened over the course of 30 years. And it's probably easier for me to probably do what I do a little different, just because I am a little different anyway. Yeah. But it's it's also been interesting because I don't think I've ever been in front of a group of people and said to myself, oh, they're just like me, so I'll play this. I've always had to have empathy for my audience. I've always had to try to figure out what they might like, because it's certainly not what I want to hear. 
So what would they want to hear? I've always had to kind of take that in consideration where, mm. you know, somebody who maybe is a little more normal <laughs> might look at a group of normal people and say, well, they like what I like. So I'm going to play it. Does that make sense to you? Mainstream is the word I would use. Mainstream people. We're not mainstream. Well, just, just, you know, normal. I, I say normal because they are normal and there's nothing wrong with yeah. being normal. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm weird. I think it's timing too. I mm. I had a wedding a few weeks ago and the bride and groom and I agreed the week out on cocktail. I said, you're not going to be there. You know, your group. And they're like, wow, we really don't know. What, what do you think? I said, well, you know, what's really going off lately. Nineties, early 2000 alternative. And I named like four or five songs and they go, Oh, that sounds awesome. But we know our, our group's a little older. You think you'd do 80s with that? I go, okay, 80s, 90s, some alternative. Not the big dance bangers, but just tracks that I think will make people smile. So I opened with Suede Head by Morrissey. So the ceremony finished. I got on the mic and said, ladies and gentlemen, if immediate family would please remain at the ceremony site for photographs, the rest of the guests are invited over here to the bar to begin your cocktail hour. I put on Suede Head, and I was turning the Evolve 50s from pointing at the ceremony site to now pointing at the dance floor area. Mm-hmm. And I barely got them both turned. And a guy came over and he goes, is, did you pick this? And I was like, yeah. He goes, oh man, what a night this is going to be. I can't wait. I love this song. And I'm like, yeah. awesome. And it just kept going. Cause I yeah. tried to play what I described and then looking at the group, what I saw and I, people kept mouthing the words to the 80s and 90s tracks. And mm-hmm. I think I told you guys, Stacy's mom, um, you know, what is it? Um, Good Charlotte, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. I mean, two or three people every time come up to tell me, man, I forgot how great this song is. I haven't heard this in forever. Thank you so much. I mean, mm-hmm. we haven't even, we, we're not even at a cocktail yet. So I think you can be different and not normal. Because that allows you to be creative. Right. That's So when you say you're not normal and you're this, I mean, I know you're always that Judd Hirsch character on the Netflix doc. Here it comes, here it comes. But, yeah. but, <laughs> oh, but I boy. think that not normal part allows you to deep dive where, like, a mm-hmm. song I still play all the time that I got from you was the Commodore's um, High on Sunshine. Yeah. I, I can't tell you the compliments I get on that track, a, because people song. don't know who it is. Right, it's such an amazing piece of music. Now, they yeah. know they know the song. They don't know maybe not always. Commoners. No, you'd be surprised how a lot mm-hmm. of them can't guess the artist. Yeah, but they, it's they, but they, I mean, because it's was, so out of the, song, the vinyl. I know, it doesn't so sound like something Lionel Richie would sing. No, I've heard Lionel Richie. It's not lady. It's not well. We've heard, know, we've heard him do country. Times. We've heard yeah. him do country. Yeah. Let's yeah. sail on and stuck on you. And we've heard him do tons of R and B. But this is jazz. I don't think people gather that Machine no. Gun is the Commodores. Right. You know, right. I played Funky Worm the other night by Ohio Players. You get 100 people and say, name an Ohio Players song, you're getting Roller Coaster every time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like every time. So when you get the B-side, to the point now where I've decided once a week to find a group that's famous, this week it's going to be Earth, Wind, and Fire. 
Uh, and I'm going to go look up their catalog and I'm going to dismiss reasons and September sure. and everything mm-hmm. that I know. Boogie Wonderland. Right. All that's off the table. Instead, I'm going to look at their albums in totality and check out snippets of every track that I don't know. Because yeah. I think that's where the gold mind is today. Because now you get people going, whoa. Like, I thought it was cool to play Cool in the Gang, you know, Summer Madness. It's like, oh, wait a second. What's this? Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it's different. Now you play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and they go, man, I have no idea what this is. It sounds awesome. Well, because you already like Cool in the Gang celebration and summer and this and that. So it makes sense that you would like the the deeper track because you've got some Mm -hmm. sense of familiarity with the artist. Mm -hmm. Again, this is part of that evolving and No, this is you being an artist. Right, and but having, you, and having you have that it. at the, your fingertips. You don't have to take a week and go di- deep dive. You've already got the knowledge in your head of like, man, you want Cool in the Gang? I'd suggest this song from their 1972 album that uh, nobody bought and yeah. check it out. No like, matter how no matter how well versed you think I am in music, I am always learning. I am right, always, but you're always learning on both sides of the tracks. Like you have to know September, but it's really cool when you know this track and this mm. track it's it's mm. like my challenge i thought the other day you know what i gotta do i gotta find that stevie wonder song you know the one that people won't know is stevie wonder because <laughs> there's got to be a stevie wonder song well even if you play um he has a song paradise which is pretty much coolio's gangster in paradise so like mm-hmm. the whole deal that's cool to do as a sample track or do Woman to Woman by, you know, Joe Cocker against California Love. Right. But I think it's even more exciting to find the deep dive track and someone goes, man, I love this. Who is this? Stevie Wonder, get out. I'm, I'm proud of you, Jane. You're, you're having fun with this. And keep in mind, folks, he's not playing this for dancing. He's playing it for cocktail and and, and right. dinner, such. things like that. Yeah, God, this is where Jane's have having to, the fun. Yeah, dancing, you've got to play the artists and the songs they actually know. Yeah, they familiar stuff. Yeah. yeah. I want to you, challenge you them try for to get, You know. I'm playing About Damn Time by Lizzo, and I played it the first week it came out. Again, it's a new phenomenon where we can play the brand new tracks, the new Doja Cat, the new Sweetie tracks. where people Beyonce track. Well, yeah, but you can do it in such a way, and I've always maintained this, old, new, old, new, old, new. (laughs) Find an 80s song to mix with the new Beyonce track. Or do, as you said, do Robin S., Play Robin S for that crowd that is from the 80s, 90s, then go into Beyonce, then go back to something from the 90s, 80s, then go back to, you know, About Damn Time by Lizzo and get both groups of people having the same amount of fun Mm -hmm. who normally don't interact that much on the dance floor. I want to take a a bit of a detour just for a moment and we can go right back. Oh, okay. Earth, Wind, and Fire. You mentioned Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know the track that I haven't heard in a long time? I haven't played it in a long time. I haven't heard anybody play it in a long time. And I don't think it's a bad track. But I remember being a hit for a minute, and then it disappeared off the face of the planet. That is the remake of the Beatles' Got to Get You to My Life. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Pepper album. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Remember that? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There were some interesting tracks on that album. Didn't Aerosmith do Come Together on that album? On the Sgt. Pepper album? I was going to say that's from Sergeant Pepper. The movie. Yeah, there was yeah. all Beatle covers. Yeah, they from- did come together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think those were the two big takeaways from that album. It was I Bee Gees remember. and Frampton, I think, that did that whole like Golden Slumbers, The Way, Carrie, um, that long, that opus track off White. 
I can't remember who did a little help for my friends, but I remember it being okay. Whoever did it. It's an interesting album. Sergeant Pepper, the Bee Gees one, the movie don't please don't, but the soundtrack's got some cool songs on it. Yeah, It's tragically bad. How that the movie wasn't. Yeah. Cause I loved Peter Frampton. I loved the Bee Gees, loved Aerosmith. Aerosmith looked cool in it. I think mm-hmm. they get beat up by the Bee Gees though. Well, yeah, that's, and that's ridiculous, yeah. but no, the God to get you into my life is a really nice song. It is Earth, Wind, and Fire song, and the horns give it away. I mean, that's Earth, Wind, and Fire. The horns are always going to give it away, right? It's like it's like an ACDC song. You just know, right? You know who it is right off the bat. You hear that, that open G chord, and you're like, "Oh, thank oh, you." There they are. I got this. Well, there's you know, there's a great historical statement, and I know you guys will know this, and people that don't. Um, there's some Skinner tracks, at least one that I know that mentions Muscle Shoals. And Muscle mm-hmm. Shoals was a rhythm section, yes, primarily of white guys from down in Muscle Shoals, um, Alabama. Georgia, Alabama, uh, Alabama. Yeah. And it's where another guy got his start as a session guitar player, and I believe it was Otis Redding came in and did a cover of Hey Jude, and did it more as Otis Redding. But there's this amazing guitar work on it. And everyone's like, man, who's doing all that guitar? And it came on Eric Clapton's radar. Eric Clapton was like, I don't know who this is, but this guy's impressive. Well, come to find out, because it's Eric Clapton, they let Eric know that's this new cat on the scene named Dwayne Allman. Mm-hmm. And that's one of, the, one of the main reasons that Eric Clapton went to Dwayne Allman and said, I got this project called Derek and the Dominoes. Mm-hmm. And this track called Layla, I'd love to get you on it. Mm-hmm. So he ended up going to Florida to meet up with Eric Clapton. But it's, I love that history of music and I love hearing the old stuff. I think I was telling you that one of the DJs that works for us now, Spark, she's Layla Hathaway's DJ. She's yeah. on tour starting Thursday for two weeks with Layla. Well, Layla Hathaway is Donnie Hathaway's daughter. And Which I didn't know until you told me. Yeah. And yeah. if you if you ever want to just sit back some night and hear a voice that'll just cut right through you, listen to some Donny Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And one of the tracks is a great Leon Russell song called This Song's For You, which has I been done by one. everyone. I love that one. Yeah. And Donny Hathaway does arguably one of the better versions of it. And so does Michael Bublé. But to me, Leon Russell, and I'll let me side note real fast, watch the yeah. rock and roll um, rock and roll Hall of Fame show where Leon Russell is inducted by Elton John and Leon Russell on piano and John Mayer on guitar. And let me tell you, he's a rewind button, man. If you pause and rewind Jay, if you don't (laughs) cry the way John Mayer plays the solo and so much so that Leon Russell does cry during the live taping because it is insanely I, I don't care who you are the guitar solo that john Mayer plays with leon i feel like amazing. i'm high right now it's like this down slow down there isn't enough time that's oh, Scotty. life i'll be dead before i'll get to hear all the but i wanted to talk about donny hathaway and we can you talk about johnny right hathaway. over him <laughs> you know who's a huge donny hathaway fan David Coverdale, like when he joined Deep Purple, they were like, what are you listening to? And he was like, Donny Hathaway. And they're like, who? So I'm going to name 
my two favorite Donny Hathaway songs. Okay. As a layman, I'm I'm not a Donny Hathaway super fan. Oh, neither am I. But Where Is The Love with Roberta Flack is amazing. Great one. Amazing. If you don't know Roberta Flack and Donny Hathaway's Where Is The Love, please go listen to it. Look at it's an it's it's an early soul track. I I, I would say that it's it, it predates disco by a couple of years or a year or two, but it, it's really nice. And I really like his version of this Christmas too. It's really good. He had a great voice, really did, and he delivered. That's all I wanted to say, Jay. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's, it's he's he Please always continue. reminded me of Otis. What do you think of this comparison? He always reminded me a lot of Otis Redding. I, I don't I don't know uh, as, as far as, as the soul the soul. I tell you what, when it comes to to things like the tracks, the two tracks that I mentioned, I just like how they're done in general. I I honestly can't tell you that I was paying a whole lot of attention to his voice in particular and wondering what it would sound like up against something else. I just like the songs; they're arranged well, okay, and they're done well, and I think he delivers them well. But, yeah. but I've never compared them to anybody else. I just no, no, no. I don't, I don't mean it. I, I'm not saying apples to apples kind of comparison. I'm saying when it comes to singers that have just this amazing soul when they open their mouth. Bill Withers, to me, is always everything Bill Withers sang <laughs> to me just had such soul. I'll tell you something funny about Bill Withers for me, personally. It wasn't that many years ago that I finally saw what he looked like. For years, I didn't want to know what he looked like. Because he could have been black, he could have been white. I, I, I didn't want to know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I didn't want to know. I just I wanted to Anita enjoy Baker. Bill Withers. I thought Anita Baker was a man the very first <laughs> time I heard her sing. Oh, you know who I thought was a man? Who? Um, name, name, name. Moyer. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I, in From fact, yeah, the Yaz stuff or her solo stuff? The Yaz stuff. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember when you met me? Of yes. course you do. Chicagoland. Yes. Well, to yeah. the guy I was with took me Alan to the Yaz concert downtown. And I'm like, sure, I'll go. He wanted to go. He was so excited about going. And we go there. And there's a guy and a girl on stage. And I'm like, who is the chick? And when is the guy coming out to sing? <laughs> yeah. That's when I found out that the lead singer of Yaz was a chick. Well, I mean, did you not, when you heard Erasure, did you not hear a girl's voice and all of a sudden it was the same two people, but instead of being Alison Moyet, it was a guy? Because Vince Clark was in Erasure and Vince Clark was I knew yeah. that was a guy, but I could have sworn the lead singer he has was a dude. Yeah. Could have sworn it. It had that, that was that period of time. We'll drive around now, I'll have Sirius on with Michelle and I'll put on like, you know, hair metal or something. And she always comments, I forget how high people used to sing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, all these guys singing, they're singing so high. Now no, it's like so guys high. don't sing in a high register as much. I'm well, like, you, no, you, they really don't. Are you with, talking with about that? falsetto or just a high register? I think it's a high register, Howie. Because a lot of the hair metal, they, they go to a higher register, it seems. Oh, okay. All right. You know, not so much the falsetto, not like a Bee Gees thing as much as Right. Just they belt it out in a high voice. I'm not suggesting that Alison Moyer's voice is masculine. What I'm suggesting is, is that a lot of the male vocalists back there were feminine. Exactly. So, so 
that's why. I mean, and you group it together with everything else, every erasure, every, you know, Depeche Mode. Communards and, and what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. you're just like, ah, it's a dude too. Right. So that's that's my defense. I, hey, I had two friends. One had a crush on the guitar player, the girl from Smashing Pumpkins, whose name is James Ha, because he thought he was a girl. And then yeah. I had another buddy who thought the four girls in Poison were really cute from the, the first, first album. Dude, the first <laughs> I remember I was I was on a road trip. Remember I told you Dave and I are from the same hometown? Yes. Okay, well, I remember right in the back of wow. Dad's Cadillac on the way back from our hometown. And we stopped somewhere, some truck stop or something, and I you know, this is, you know, the batteries were expensive for the Walkman, so you weren't going to listen to it. So I get a copy like Circus or Hit Parader, you know, yep. just to read it. Give me something to read all the way home. I see something about guitars, new music. There's an ad on the back of that magazine with four of the hot chicks I've seen in a long time. Yep. It was Poison. Look what the cat dragged in. And the mom, like, wait, wait, that one's a dude. Oh, that one's a dude. Oh, no, they're all dudes. Oh, yeah. no. I had a buddy. He's like, dude, have you seen this new band, Poison? These chicks are so cute. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I saw their video. You know, they're guys. No, have you seen the album? They're girls. Really? I'm like, no, I've seen the video. They're guys. They're, they're dudes. Yeah. Trust me. Dudes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This isn't this isn't Dixon. This is something different. No, exactly. Yeah, this isn't Broken Heart. This is yeah. like you know the Bengals. It's yeah. that. No, it's or the Go Go's. But there was that androgyny at that point that you know there were times she had to stop and stare a little harder and be like, "Oh, that is a guy." Okay, cool, cool. Okay. Speaking good. of androgyny, speaking of you know maybe being non-mainstream in your appearance or perhaps your persona. That was a phenomenon of, I, well, the seventies a bit too. David Bowie. The glam thing. We're yeah. in Howie circles. Oh yeah. All that. yeah. New York yeah. dolls. That's all they played. They played that whole we're girls, but we're guys. And they did it in a mm. way that we're like, we try and look like girls, but we act so obviously like guys right yeah and they yeah, ended up more influencing in your face to the man everyone yeah every band you can name that came out of the 70s rock mm -hmm. when they say you know forget the beatles and the stones behind them you have the dolls alice cooper mm -hmm. maybe slade and then it's just everything else went and then bowie and then that's it. That's, you know, Bowie, always. that's the recipe for this is what we look to. I mean, Queen was, Queen was like the ultimate. It's it's right here. Stupid. It's right here. And you're still not seeing it. Stupid. Right. So we're just going to keep doing it. Freddie Mercury doing ultimate. the black and white, you know, leotard outfit. Then all of a sudden here's So Steven Tyler, 10, 20, 15 years later, here's Motley Crue. Here's all the big hair bands in the 80s. Everyone just took that and went, oh, let's go. Makeup. Oh. Kiss and where did Kiss get it? Alice Cooper. What 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 I was gonna say about you know the whole you know people at any rate being an androgyny or anything else, people were a little different. They looked different. They acted different, and people weren't the same. Do you think maybe I or maybe we perhaps in that regard of just kind of wanting to be a little different are a product of our generation? 
I mean, just because of what was happening around us? I think it was accepted to be different then. I think today it is very unaccepted to be different. I'm thinking think about like every, every... Everyone does what they do. Everyone is, I mean, there's this yeah. huge generation of, and I can show you a hundred pictures of DJs and they use the same gear with the same counter. They wear the same suits. They have the same laptop on the same stand with the same smile and the same business. I mean, it's very cookie cutter. Even though they think I'm being individual, they're following a trend. Well, good, you know, good equipment is good equipment and, and, and setting thing. I, I can't fault anybody for that. And, and yeah. that's why it's Use it because you know why you use it. Don't just, that, and I'm the guy behind the wheel. Trust me, I'm the first to tell you, no, 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 don't buy this $3,500 item. Buy this $500 item because this is why. Sure. So I've never subscribed to, you only use the best gear you can get, mm -hmm. but understand why it's the best year, gear you can get. When well, I just, used two yeah. CDJ1000s and a 600 mixer doing weddings in 2003, 2004, five, people would walk in and see that and be like, oh my God, that's your gear? I'm like, yeah, I want the best possible gear I can get my hands on yeah. because I understood from 1977, Paul Stanley saying, when you pick up a Gibson Les Paul, you play 10 or 15% better than if you pick up a crappy guitar because you feel you owe it to the instrument. And I that always stuck with me. If you use really good gear, you tend to DJ better because you understand the gear is worth it. Right on. Okay. You're only as good as your last gig. I, I, you're only good as your last gig. My, the point I was trying to make was, you know, if we all had the same exact equipment and all looked exactly alike, you could, we could still be different from each other. We could still say different things. We could still play different ways. We could still play different songs, approach it completely different than, than the next guy. I didn't yeah. want to get into the whole equipment argument because then that's all anybody wants to talk about is the equipment. And, I, and I'll tell you why I find it so boring to talk about equipment because that's all anybody wants to talk about. And I'll give you an example. The post I made. I got a response very quickly from Mark Farrell on that post. Yes, I saw and, that. And he said, you know, uh, well, I'll, I don't want to misquote Mark. I'll tell you exactly what he said. He said, give me just a moment here, because I definitely don't want to misquote Mark on this. Speaking skills. That's all he said. That's what separates him from the next DJ. And I'm like, hey, that's your superpower. And then he, he replied saying, yeah, in fact, when I got into this, music was my thing. You know, I love music. And I always kind of thought that it was a given that every DJ was into music. Now, but, but then I also, you know, so, so I decided, well, maybe what people are more interested in than music would be just delivery and speaking. So that's what I focused on. And then I told him, I was like, yeah, you know, it's, I always thought music was a given tune. It was shocking for me to find out. It's not. That that's not the case. No, I think money is oftentimes the biggest influencer. I think mm -hmm. I talk to guys that have been around for five, six, seven years doing well today because they've made, they view business before they view being a DJ. That's why when I tell them about Twitch, they look at me and say, I don't know what it is. I'm not going on there. Why would I waste my time? I'm not generating income. And I'm like, yeah. but to continually generate income, you need to get better at what you do. It's all the approach. Have you done the same event 
for 20 years? You know, have you done a hundred of the same weddings every year for 20 years? Or have you been a DJ for 20 years doing different events every yeah. time? And Mark mm-hmm. Farrell famously in 2000, cause I was in the room said, I'll be honest with you guys. I think I use a Denon mixer and I think I have Gemini or pioneer players. I don't really know. I know I can mix music because I used to do it in the club. But what separates me from the next guy is they leave with a memory of the way I made them feel by how I spoke, how I looked, and what I did. And he was very quick to say the gear is the last thing on the list of things he gives a crap about. Well, he's got an unfair advantage because he's like like a six and a half foot tall Beautiful man. I mean, you know, he's got the voice. Saying. He's got the delivery. He's he, got. He, he can have his own. He, he, he could be like the, the 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 best news weather guy. I don't know. He's better looking yeah. than my weather guy. Yeah, good looking guy. But he's it's got not a, fair. He's got. He just wrote me frumpy guys. Right, but he's got a command. Look like because, you most of the time, Jay. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's you're a beautiful man, Jay. I, well, thank you. I thought it was the frumpy part. <laughs> um, but that you know, he's a good example of taking it in another direction, yeah. relying solely on your skills and talent. Yeah, whether that's cultivated through his courses or through you watching videos on how to deliver a great speech. Mm. I mean, you you know, you've got your comedy end, which I think is something to seriously consider for any DJ or anyone doing public speaking. The other one, it's is, not the comedy. It's never no, no, been no, about the, the comedy. Timing. It's the timing. It's the delivery. It's the right. arrangements. It's that stuff. Well, I, I saw a joke this morning that actually reminded me of you. And the joke is simply what's, what makes a great comic timing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yep. exactly. But another one that I think everyone should watch, if you want to really learn something about public speaking is check out any video by a gentleman named Zig Ziglar. Uh, oh, he, well, he has yeah. he has a delivery, <laughs> but he has a way to grab an audience. Now, I have a Zig Ziglar story. Go ahead. Okay, because all I was going to say, and I know what your story is. Uh, then I won't say it. No, no, no. I, no, I no. I don't want to speak no, 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 myself. You say it. No, no, You're no, only as good as your last gig. I don't want to be no, that No, 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 no. <laughs> they don't know about your grandfather. So I'm just saying, if you want to tell this story. I know, I remember some things. Here's the Reader's Digest. Zig is dead, but before he died, he bought one of my grandfather's Model A's that he restored. So he had one of my grandfather's cars in his collection. That, Told that's you. It. That's it. But yeah, no, he has a way of telling a story and making himself so appealing to the audience he's speaking to. And every time I've watched his videos, I find it very difficult to turn them off halfway through because I'm like, you got me captivated talking about a guy shining shoes at the airport. And he's got right. a point about sales, but right. it's his ability to to deliver it and yeah. to tell this story right. in such a way. And I've learned, and I, as you guys famously know, I do my little, you know, 100 years ago today on this very spot, a young couple was wed story. This is really good. And, and yeah. I know 100% of the success of that story is where I pause. Yeah. Oh, I do too. I If I don't pause in the right spot, I'm just talking. But when I pause after... And according to their DJ, right before the toasts, and I kind of look around, and the snickers start, and I'll look at the bride and groom, and I go, no, seriously, there was a DJ here 100 years ago today. And the crowd just goes. So when I say, on the count of three, they kiss, you yell, I love you, they're all behind me now because I commanded them. 
Yeah. And that's the thing that I think people need to look into the comedy end of the timing of watching and learning. I haven't mentioned this in years. I haven't thought about it in years because it was actually kind of an embarrassing moment for me. This goes back to the early night, early, early nineties. I was doing a party and it was going incredibly well. I mean, really, really well. I've been going for hours and I would get on the microphone. It was, it was that type of party at the time when this kind of thing was, was a popular thing to do. And I knew when to get on the mic when the, after the first song started, I knew how many beats to wait before I got on the mic and say, all right, everybody having a good time. Woo. They start screaming. And there was that pause between after I said good time and the scream. And then I say, all right, you know, and it was going so well. I thought, you know what? It doesn't matter when I say this or how I say it. Oh no. I'm just going to, step on them and i'm not gonna let them respond before i say all right so i got on the mic the next i thought it was funny to me it was hilarious i got on the mic and said does everybody have a good time before they can go we go all right that's great before they can even respond to it they turned on me well i I don't want to you know go ahead i mean i was dude i was i was 20 years old when i did this Mm -hmm. but i'll never forget it i'll never forget that it was the, the time, and I was dismissing it because it was coming so natural to me. It was happening very natural to me. But I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna be funny. I'll never forget that. It, it taught me something. I had a couple employees at my first DJ job in a nightclub, and the employees could dictate to me, the DJ, what songs they wanted to hear because they had to perform on a stage. Mm. And I had a couple of them that were very nasty to me. And Uh what I would do is... They were lip syncers, by the way. Lip syncing was big in the 90s. It was big in the 90s. And a couple of them got on my nerves so bad that what I would do, and as you gentlemen know, in the nightclub realm that I worked, or in radio... The lip sync club, yeah, go ahead. You never, ever have dead air. So... What I would do is at the end of a track, I'd be, guys, what do you think? And I'd kill the volume completely. Right. And it would be crickets. And let me tell you, they weren't mean and nasty to me anymore because they were terrified of it. Because it was suddenly like you had a club of 350 <laughs> guys and they just went dead silent. <laughs> it was like, maybe you should not be telling me what to do so hard. It's like, and I was like, if you just listen to me, You'll make a lot more money lip syncing if you just let me play because you got 20 guys around a stage wearing a shirt and tie. Let me play a Stone song. And all of a sudden, they'd come and be like, I made the most money ever. It's like, because if you lip sync to the right crowd. Right. Yeah. Would you gentlemen like to do a few minutes overtime? Sure. Because I got one more thing I was going to bring up and I completely forgot about it until just now. And we were for time, but we'll go a few minutes over. Okay. So I mentioned that at this uh, place where I'm working on this rig, we got a new team in who's going to be kind of running the the retail hospitality end of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Where where the, the the team that I'm working with is more of the the build and the tour management side, you yeah. know, and 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 maybe doing a little behind the scenes directing. But the other team is actually doing the retail hospitality end of it. They're greeting everyone. They're they're running the the store, all those things. So the gentleman who's in charge of this now. 
I was showing him the DJ system and, and the karaoke system, explaining it to him and talking to him about it. And, and um, he had asked who, you know, well, we need somebody to run this. And, and, you know, it'd be great if we had a, a training session, we could train people to run this thing. There's a reason I don't want to DJ because DJs don't talk. I'd rather have somebody who has nothing to do with DJing to learn how to run this stuff so they could talk because DJs don't talk. They're just not that way. It's oh, a yeah. waste of money. He didn't know that's what I did for a living. Right. And he's thinking that I'm just some audio tech. So I, of course, didn't say anything. But that was an interesting perception, I thought. Wow. And, and, and some of the guys can me, oh, dude, you all right? I'm like, dude, he's talking about turntablists. He's not talking about me. I do the weddings and quinceañeras and bar mitzvahs. I, I know how to talk in a microphone. Right. But he, he's, he's just thinking of it in, in one way. We got to turn him on the, the other way. So, so the, per, the perception becomes reality. We would have guys come in constantly to get a job with us in the 90s at the Lip Sync Club. At the Lip Sync Club. And the, guys. the reason they couldn't get the job, the reason we didn't hire new people, yeah, was okay. because you would say, that's an awesome mix, but you have exactly two minutes to play the song and then you have to talk. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. It's not, you know, somebody makes some noise. It's like, you have to talk. Like, here's the script. Sure. You have to talk. You have to announce dollar dance. You have to announce specials. You have to announce VIPs. You have to, you're talking as much as you're playing music. Don't worry about mixing, but I'm a DJ. That's what I do. I'm like, well, I think of myself as a DJ. I'm <sighs> yeah. playing music, but I'm doing it on CD and I'm playing yeah. 10 songs, 40 seconds a song whipping cds in and out the whole time leaning on a gooseneck mic like yeah guys make some noise dollar make some holla blah 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 like and that was the challenge there so when i got into doing weddings i had to go the exact opposite i had to tone it way way down <laughs> i had to realize there's no need for you to keep speaking <laughs> like shut up right it's, yeah it's not the easiest like you know no prescription for me to swallow would you like to get so, a what yeah. Howie, would you like to get a word in edgewise before we wrap this? Is Howie here? Oh, there's Howie. Um, I think so. I I thought he left. No. Uh, I'm I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to have you. Howie's the <laughs> AD on stage when we win the Academy Award and I'm talking. And just as the music starts, Howie comes up to the mic. I just want to send what love out to my wife and kids and just <laughs> I had a few things I wanted to say earlier, but Sam was going so fast. We're in overtime. Could, could you could you maintain any thoughts? Well, I my final thought would be when Jay was uh, talking about doing the deeper cuts like from the Ohio players and things like that. That comes the, the people at least I've found this to be true. The people that go, whoa, I haven't heard this in a long time, or that's so cool, are the people that grew up buying records and listening to the entire record because they were so dear. They had a small collection. They, they, they weren't buying like we were because we had to. And when they hear that, it's like, that's on that album Bah, 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 you know, or even like, oh, yeah, that's on that album that September's on, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah. It would be nope. tough to do album cuts for any artist that came out in the last 20 years. 
it, well, they're not really making albums anymore. Yeah, they're, right. I don't, I don't think yeah. they have enough content. Right. And it's I think there, it's just... So no, last anyway, year was the biggest was selling it. year for albums and CDs in 20 years. So there's yes. that glimmer of hope in my mm-hmm. eyes that maybe now, you know, younger people are, you know, what's old is new. Maybe they're now realizing, huh, so I don't have to just hear what iTunes and Apple Music and Tidal and Beat Source and everyone else tells me. I think the biggest sin of sins was when iTunes gave ratings and they gave the little bar graph on the side that said, mm-hmm. of these 10 songs, these two are the most popular. And I think people went to, oh, let me check those. Oh, those are both good songs. That's like saying, you know, here's the first Aerosmith album. Oh, Dream On is the number one song. Oh, that's a good song. I'll get that. Well, what about Moving Out? What about this? What about that? What about, you know, Walking the Dog? That didn't register. I mean, you know, I think so much is lost by not exploring a little bit. And I understand why. I mean, life is moving very quickly right now. We're on the Internet. We're in three different states in a live chat with little to no delay, like we're in the same room. Mm -hmm. And that that kind of makes it hard to think of the old days where you would sit on your bed, drop the needle on the first song open up the liner notes and start reading and go, oh, no way, I can hear James Taylor doing background vocal on this track. Oh, no way, that's Bonnie Raitt doing the guitar solo? I tell you what I think the the biggest sin of sins is. All the hipsters that are walking past my house who have brought the fanny pack back. (sighs) It's back, guys. Oh, it's back big time. No. Oh, it's back. Are they wearing Crocs with socks, too? Well, I uh, own a well, bunch of Crocs stock, so I wouldn't mind seeing Crocs come back because I got a, I took a bath on that. Fanny pack, though. Oh, it's fanny back. pack. It's back for men and women. I went out Sunday with Michelle. She had a fanny pack, and I looked and I said, those are back, aren't they? She goes, well, I've got my makeup and my phone fits here, and look, I've got this and the car keys, and I've got this. And I'm like, yeah, but you're a girl. You're carrying it like a bag. Like, that's okay. And what's no. funniest is when I was with PD, oh, all the cops I used to hang with off duty all wore fanny packs because they said it was more comfortable to keep their guns in a fanny pack. I'm like, you don't think they know you guys are all cops? There's like seven of you. You're all like the same exact look and you all have a fanny fanny pack pack. and you're all really muscular. You either look like total like leather club. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. It's like one or the other. Pick one. Yeah, this this is a Levi leather situation here. you only have two ways to go. Or cops, one or the other. Yeah. We're all yeah. bears, or we're all going to arrest you. It's like there is no middle ground. You can't really funk this thing up to make it look that fashionable. But they they want what's old. I mean, Techniques came out with that turntable after they stopped making the 1200 and it was like $4,000, and it was selling, and we all agreed. It was selling to the Uber hipster kid who's like, mm-hmm. look, I have a turntable. I paid four grand for it. It's like, wait, what? Are you kidding? It's like, no, this is the new Techniques. It's $4,000. Nice. Yeah. But we also have to realize how many guys, I mean, look behind me. This says moving platters to emulate turntables. Right. That's what's in stock. you were pointing at the picture on the wall. I thought it moved. Oh, no. This, hold on. Let me hit the button so we get. No, no, no. Don't. No, it's okay. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. You can see the blue light in just a second. Whoa, it's starting and (laughs) the blue light. See? Nope. There it is. All right, Howie, put a fork in this thing. All righty. Thanks, kids. We'll see you next week if John Lessels come back. 
Happy 2023, everybody. Bye, all. <laughs>